There's a new podcast app that delivers chilling true crime stories straight to your mobile device. Every day they release a new episode that investigate the gruesome true acts of America's worst serial killers. And you can explore into the minds of psychopaths and murderers. To get started, find and download Murder Minute from the App Store or visit MurderMinute.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-M-I-N-U-T-E.com to get your daily dose of true crime creepiness delivered straight to your mobile device. It's a good show. Do you want anything beverage wise? That was all for you? Yes, that was all for me. Do you want anything beverage? Oh boy. Waiting Wong's is easy when you have friends that sounded racist. This song should end. All right. Well, that was our original theme song. Yeah, it's been a while since we've heard it. Yeah, because this is our final episode of Waiting Wong's. Season one. Season one, our season one finale. And as such, as promised, that was us in a Chinese restaurant in Alhambra <laughs> that Jessica took me to. <laughs> it's called the 101 Noodle Express Cafe. Aw. But it's not off of the 101 freeway. No, it's not. There's some horrible story about why it's – I think there was a railroad built up oh, up to that location and then they killed 101 Chinese people to make a point. Well, they were like, we need to sacrifice 100 Chinese people for this railroad and then – And then one of them was like <laughs> – One for the road. <laughs> if, you, if you don't know us yet, we're – Terrible people. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, there's nothing to explain. I guess we are terrible <laughs> yeah. people. But, we're not... but also, who starts listening to a podcast on the season finale? Well, maybe people said this one's fucking great. Maybe we're about to have a great episode. <laughs> For the first time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Welcome to Whiting Wongs. I'm Jessica Gao. I'm Dan Harmon. I think this is the first time in, like, maybe 15 episodes that we've remembered to introduce ourselves. Oh, that's true, yeah. But th- our names are in the title. Yeah. we're. You know what? We're Actually, no, it's not. Oh, that's it, doesn't it? It says Whiting Wongs with Jessica Gow and Dan Harmon in the title. When does you, it? In my I... podcast app. Oh, oh, it does? Yeah. All right. Well, I stand corrected. But you can call me from now on, based on my new favorite food, Dan Dan Harmon. Because <laughs> I now love Dan Dan noodles. And I guess the reason we went to this place is because early on I did say, I don't like Chinese food. Very confidently, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like not... spoken like a man who has spent many years trying all kinds of Chinese food. Yeah. And definitively saying to himself, this is not for me. It's an interesting, nuanced thing. Yeah. I mean, and I think we're going to talk in this episode about stuff that we've learned to try to apply some retroactive value to a thing that we're <laughs> finishing up with. Uh, and one of those things is kind of like, oh, what are the things that we never think about? Like even some of those things are culturally permitted. Like you just feel like, well, everyone does this or I've never been called out for this. So how could it possibly be wrong? Which is an interesting way of of thinking about things you might do that might uh, offend people is like like that you would get reoffended in response by going like, well, no one's ever said that until now, uh, like as if that would be a reason for you to 
you know, that would be a prerequisite for you to feel bad. And one of those things is, oh, yeah, I've constantly for 45 years, I've been like, yeah, I don't like Chinese food, which, you know, the only thing that all Chinese food has in common is that it's Chinese, which means that if you say I don't like Chinese food to a Chinese person, you're 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 taking a pretty big shit on their face. <laughs> I was it's well, it, I was just really surprised because. I don't know if I've ever met somebody who, like, genuinely has tried a lot of Chinese food and just didn't like it just because it's so varied. Like, there's so many different types of regional food, and they're all so, so, so different. Like, it's such a huge swath of cuisine that uh, it – I well, mean, it's it, very easy to, to, to draw the very easy experimental comparison and go, what if someone said I don't like American food? You wouldn't necessarily punch him in the face. You'd just be like, you sound like an idiot. Yeah, because well, or you'd be like, "What kind are yeah, you talking exactly. about? Like, like what's are we? Did we go to McDonald's or did we yeah. go to Sardi's? Did we go to yeah, Wolfgang Pucks? Yeah, do you hate soul food or do you hate clam chowder? Yeah. yeah, and and but we have this trip. There, American food is like the hotel. It's like the hub. It's like Dulles Airport. You know, it's like, it's like like we're oh, you can. You could like like American food is all food, which means that if you're American, you could be like, yeah, I live in America. I've tried Chinese food. I don't like it. <laughs> but but it's an older, bigger country with probably a larger variety of, of food within its own country. Yeah. And so. also it's just so big and there's so many people that there's just so many different kinds. But so I was pretty I, I went into it very, very confident that uh, you were going to like this place. But I also spent a lot of time picking out the right place to bring you to. What were the Factors that went into that because you're you're you're. I'm glad you admitted your goal is to prove me wrong. As opposed, <laughs> course, that's to just, always my goal. But did that impinge on picking the most Chinese food in the world? I want. I wanted to pick a place that I felt like was very authentic Chinese food, but at the same time was going to be an easy uh, introductory uh, course in Chinese food. Something that wasn't like it. There wasn't anything that was like super weird or like a crazy exotic delicacy. Like at its, I wanted something that was like hearty and tasty, just like basically co- the equivalent of comfort food. Hmm. Um, and uh, and I, I wanted, and I didn't want something that was like going to be super spicy or something like that, because I didn't know what your um, level of spice intake was going to be. But I, you know, I made a judgment call based on your whiteness and decided yeah. that it was probably pretty close to zero. Yeah, and <laughs> and I was right. Um, and yeah, so I, and I, this place is just a very, very solid, good place, and it has a lot of um, uh, noodles and dough-based foods. I loved it. I am dough-based. <laughs> you can tell by looking at me. I kind of looked like a lot of the food that was on the table. I just watched uh, Brendan's. Uh, sphincter seize up when she almost spilled five glasses of water on the recording equipment. <laughs> is there... Is there yes. Okay, yeah, just go for it. And then uh, this is pig's ear, which is one of my favorite things ever. And this is just uh, vegetables, peanuts, and tofu. I'm already uh, excited because the Everything's more dry than I. What, what did you expect? Like, 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 I associate Chinese food with like a big plate of wet mess that's indistinguishable, and we've already gotten mm-hmm. like a plate of like really compartmentalized like dry, dry items. ramen, which I yeah. love so much more. Than not a like, not a puddle in sight. Yeah, 
like when I eat ramen, I, I always like, like I like I like there to be barely any, just enough moisture to make it liftable to my mouth and not. But other people are like, they want a big broth. Yeah. And there's like a the and like in the middle, it's bacon. It looks like bacon. It's pig's ears. You're saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like uncooked bacon. <laughs> and the, that white part in the middle is the cartilage, so it gives it a nice crunchy texture. Mm, I really like the ramen. The tofu noodles? Or tofu noodles. <laughs> <laughs> ramen. Have you ever had dipping ramen? Uh-uh, what's I up? I think you would really like it. It's basically, they give you the ramen and the broth separately, and you pick up uh, little bits of the ramen, dip it into the broth. Oh, man. This um, this noodle I, I specially ordered for you because it's called Dan Dan noodles. Aww. And it's really, really good. It's really what? It's really good. Oh, it's not oppressive? And <laughs> it never acknowledges its privilege. All right, I'm going to mix it for everybody. I smell like um, a smell that I like. It's like peanut buttery kind of. Oh, yeah, there's uh, there's peanuts in it. So it's like minced meat. It's like a peanutty, sesame-ish paste. Are we still in the appetizer phase? No, 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 no. This, only this was the appetizers. Now we're getting noodle. And this is like spicy beef noodle soup with hand-cut noodles. Alright. So, I guess serve yourselves. Should we, should we, should we, let's, let's, just so that we have it in the can, let's just say, well, Jessica, here we are. (laughs) Me, Dan Harmon, and you at this, uh... Where are we? 101 Noodle Express? Yeah, we're at 101 Noodle Express Cafe. Which doesn't sound immediately like to my white ears. I'm like, if you asked me what's the most authentic Chinese place you could go to, I first of all wouldn't have said Alhambra. Because you don't know anything. Right, I don't know yeah. anything. Yeah. That like, was amazing. You thought you were going to call me out. Yeah, I was like, why aren't we going downtown? Oh, because Jessica's chicken of real Chinese. Because because Chinatown is in downtown. Yeah, because to me, there's no more nothing more Chinese than downtown LA. Oh Lord! And you're like, what about east of that? I would never eat in Chinatown. If I could give people one people in LA one tip about Chinese food is to not eat in Chinatown. Like that's not. We're in the San Gabriel Valley right now, which is like ninety. Only go Chinese there to people. buy wallets and children's toys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to do shady banking, of course. Um, but yeah, the the San Gabriel Valley is where all the Chinese people actually live, and so like these are all the restaurants that actually serve Chinese people. And this is where you get the best Chinese food. Is there any history to Alhambra as a as a Chinese? This used epicenter? to be. It may shock you to know that this used to be all white. Like even through the, I think up to the seventies, this was an all white area, and there was actually like a, I can tell from the name. There was actually uh, a, quite a, uh, I think, a significant Italian population here, too. Because oh, Alhambra. When I first, <laughs> I first started moving here, when I first lived here as a kid, there were still, like, remnants of the Italian community. There were, like, Italian markets and restaurants. There's, like, one or two left, but there used to be a lot more when I was a kid. Um, but I think around the 80s is when all the Chinese people started moving here. Wow. 
and just completely took over. So these things that we think only old people should be afraid of, mm-hmm. like they can happen within our lifetime. Yes, it's true. The, Biological the take, the takeover. Total takeover of mm-hmm. the community. Absolutely. There went the neighborhood is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. Little little did those Italian people know. Or I guess they did know. You know. About the next hot immigrant class was coming in. Well that we didn't yeah, that they were like, you know. We were like, don't go over there, it's Italian. Alright, so Dan's now about to have his first taste of Dan Dan noodles. Dan Dan noodles. Uh, so far, I've really li- uh, yeah, I really liked everything. We got some cold tofu noodles, pig's ears. And I actually, I haven't had the green stuff yet because I'm. Um, By the way, I'm really surprised and impressed that uh, you. Oh, it's fondue barrel. Um, that you tried the pig's ears. Oh, are you kidding? It's bacon. It looks like bacon. Mm. It's the first thing I'd try. I, there was a there, one of the, the one of the more exotic, interesting things was the thing that looked the least exotic because it was just like a big plate of bacon. But it was it was pig's ears. Yeah, it was sliced pig's ears. By the way, I'm still shocked that you weren't phased by it and that you tried it and that you liked it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, 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 the texture of it, I had to get a. That was the most off-putting texture was the pig's ears because it was, it looks like bacon. But it's cold, mm-hmm. but it's not uncooked. It's been cooked and then marinated. So it's got like a – that's the good thing about it is it's got like this like flavor that kind of without being in, uh, overpowering or too hot or anything, it's just sort of like this flavor that sticks with you long after you've eaten those little tiny bacon slice looking thing. And there's a big plate of it and it's like – it's not mitigated and with a bunch of, you know – scallops and juice and all this stuff it's like very clean and dry do you mean scallions scallions what are the scallops yeah Yeah, i'm not a foodie like i don't uh, like (laughs) i don't want to come off like i'm a food critic i'm i'm trying to talk from the perspective of a guy who's like like mac and cheese and hot dogs and like why have i avoided chinese food and said i didn't like it it's because for me the texture is always like it's it's uh it scares me or something like I go like I don't want to I don't want to get complicated like I want to eat like a thing that's just like wall to wall like food like baby food like it's just it'll, it's like it's like me it's like an easy path of least resistance doughy like thing like I and I've always suspected that people who pretend they like more complicated food than the stuff you can get in the, in the grocery store frozen food like for babies aisle are just they're just faking they're just like they i I used to think that about people with tattoos and piercings like is that they were just like they had given up trying to find an identity and they were like trying to put too much emphasis on something else i've since decided that that is incorrect and what they're actually doing is doing me a huge favor because if you don't have a tattoo or a piercing i can't remember your name (laughs) oh what a gift to people with face blindness yeah exactly like like i finally figured that out that thank you spider face Oh, Tony? Well, <laughs> let's not pretend I didn't remember you, Spider-Face. <laughs> but anyways, no, I, I mean, I did have fucked up opinions like that when my 30s. I'd be like, oh, everyone with a tattoo, everyone with a pierce something, everyone with a hat on, everybody that, that, that does anything specific, they're just overcompensating for something. And I did lump in that people who would say that they were foodies. 
I would I would say, yeah, come on, everyone just wants a Domino's pizza. It's delicious. It's perfect. It doesn't it doesn't put up a fight. I understand it's not uh, healthy and it's not it doesn't make you feel like James Bond when you eat it. But come on, who who doesn't like this fucking pizza? But you can like both. That's yeah. the thing. You can like both equally because I like both. I love fancy food, but I also love like trashy garbage food. Yeah. Yeah, but I love. Yeah, I mean, this you 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 nailed it. You thought about it. You took me to a place that you knew it was very much Chinese food, and but it was like, oh look, there's absolutely an aspect of Chinese food that is totally comfortable, totally fits in with your whiteness. Like it gets like basically like this is peanut butter flavored mac and cheese kind of. This there are these things, these beef rolls. It's definitely the takes the fucking cake. Like I can't. I want to evangelize these things now. <laughs> They're like a spiral of dough. It's like it's like it, 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 they look when you bite into them like as if the they must have started as like a uh, a manhole cover sized piece of fried dough that then has like beef not complicated at all beef put on it. It's just <laughs> totally like dry, delicious, salty, clean beef. Clean beef. <laughs> like put all over it and like as flat as possible, and then the whole thing is rolled not round but like like flat flatly rolled like like a flat burrito yeah like like the the end result is a flat burrito yeah and and, and then you bite into it and it's like it's just i can't talk enough about it, how good it is although i have talked enough about how good it is <laughs> all right so this is this right here is the best thing they have here which are beef rolls Oh, boy. It's super, super good. I recommend using some of this uh, chili uh, sauce with it. And then these you might have heard of. In Chinese, they're called xiao long bao. Oh, of course I've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, white people call them soup dumplings because there's a lot of broth inside of them. So, oh, you gotta be careful. so they'll, like, spray. And... So when you eat them, put a spoon underneath to support the broth squirting out. Thank you. Well, I love everything so far. I mean... But what do you think of the Dandan noodles? They're fantastic. Good. I mean, we should probably catch up and talk about, like, why... What was the... Yeah. Why did we want to come here? It was because I have said, I don't like Chinese food. Yeah. Which means... Which is the the most aggressive, like, (laughs) attack on me you could possibly make, (laughs) by the way. I guess it is. Yeah. I I I guess it's a tradition of our podcast that I get to rethink some things that are, like, like... Whether it's uh, white people saying, "Well, where are you from?" No, I mean, yeah. where are you really from, and yeah, all that yeah. stuff, like stuff that we, like, yeah, I don't like Chinese food. For me, is like saying uh, it's one flavor of pizza. <laughs> I don't like uh, anchovies. I don't like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but it is kind of a it is well, a, it is an aggressive thing on paper, <laughs> yeah, especially since it's so varied. There's such a wide range of Chinese food. That um. That the only thing in common it all has is the yeah. thing that's most offensive to say I don't like. Yeah. It's kind of like saying I don't like Chinese people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some shitty ones. <laughs> um. But also, you know, you're just missing out because it's yeah. there's so many delicious things. Well, that's the more important thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of it. Really, is surprising to me. Did you pick this place because you knew it would kind of blow my mind? Or did you pick it because it was the most Chinese? I debated a lot. I picked this place because I felt like it was a great uh, beginner's uh, course in Chinese food. 
right? Dan Dan just took a bite of a beef roll. This shouldn't even be Chinese. (laughs) What should it be? I'm co-opting this. You're co-opting this? This is a Philly burrito. (laughs) This is so good. (laughs) So it's basically a flaky uh, pancake, a savory flaky pancake, and then they put uh, shredded beef in there, like, with sauce and, like, uh, chopped cilantro and scallions, and then they roll it up so it looks like kind of a burrito. Oh, my God. And it's the greatest thing in the world. It's so good. There's no onions in it. I mean, there's scallions, but... I mean, there's no obnoxious like. I mean, I like I like this more than. Uh, it's 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 it it tastes more American than to me than um, more than shit that I like reject because it's too. I love that your scale of whether or not something's good is how, all the way American, to American. how American it tastes. Yeah, because it's all about like how close can it get to having a thumb in my mouth. What? <laughs> how uh, how much how comfortable can it be? You know how 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 much. The, oh, ra- the ratio. I understand. Just... You mean thumb sucking? Yeah, exactly. I was like, "What weird American culinary tradition is sticking a thumb in your yeah, mouth?" I just mean like comfort, like like mac and cheese and hot dogs and apple, whatever. Like the sure. American thing is just like it's we associate like oh it's from somewhere else. Either it's gonna get turned into a flavor here that can be squirted out of a cock gun mm-hmm. at a drive-through, or it's you're trying to impress yourself or your friends by going and seeking it out because you're like. An adventurer, which is like a part of it that I have rejected, but this is good. I have a Chinese friend that took me to a Chinese restaurant, and I'm like, actually, you should. There's there would be a reason to go here because it's better than a steakum. So my question now is, what what Chinese food did you have before that made you hate Chinese food? Was it like? What do you get from what we call a Chinese restaurant, which is like whatever's within 30 miles of my house that'll deliver or that you would go to? Mm. All right, so this is a, a chicken roll. It's the exact oh, same thing, but with chicken. Oh, man, I'm going to die. This is like the, the, the white meat. Oh. Then I like to put a little bit of this chili sauce on it, but I don't know what your spice tolerance is. Well, I'm going to try it. Here. I mean, mm. you know, I'll tell you the, the, the specific place that I had the most Chinese place at because it's the most Chinese at because it's down the street from me in Las Feliz, but was... Um, Are you talking about Palace? Yeah, but they before they were the Palace, they were, um, what's it called? Something else. Then they turned into the palace because they had like a feud or something, and the that place yeah. used to be called something else. Yeah, it's also a Chinese, Chang Dynasty. It's also like a Chinese restaurant that has hosts comedy shows. I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Make all the fun you want. I'm I'm giving you all the all the information you need. Like, I I like the. It's like it's like something you could only ever be in the mood for like once a week. Yeah. It's like. It's all very <clears throat> specific. Yeah, I don't know. I've eaten there before with uh, p- picky white people with bad taste, and um, it's very upsetting to me. I feel like you're young enough that that you've only been to the shitty version of that place. Because there was an actual feud, and now there's a place yeah. called... Um, they really both suffered. Like, no one emerged as the winner. But yeah. I know there was, like, some kind of feud that I couldn't track because everyone was Chinese and everyone was <laughs> mad at each other. And I was a regular, so how, the, how the stakes track, were high. How would you have tracked it even if they weren't Chinese? 
That's good. I mean, that's a good point. It makes me feel less racist that if they were Italian, I also would have been like, I don't give a fuck what the people you people are talking about. But these are people who almost don't speak English and who all have the same hair color and height and are like always wearing like tuxedos. And some of them were insisting that the others were. It was like worse than Captain America Civil War. I'm like, why do I care what Black Widow thinks about Ant-Man? I can't track this arc. Um, but if we uh, ran into each other, like out of town or something, <laughs> and I was wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> would you recognize me? I think so. <laughs> would you go back? Yeah, definitely. Um, if somebody said like, "Where should we go?" and there was a big argument, and then somebody mentioned that place, I'd be like, "Yeah, let's go there." One of my favorite things was when we, and by we I mean Yusan and Engineer Brendan, got there and we were waiting for you. I got a text. Sorry. I got a text from you that said, "Just getting off the freeway. I didn't realize we were going to real China." <laughs> <laughs> it's so far east. <laughs> I truly did, though. I thought it was funny. Like, I absolutely, without thinking about it at all, and that's been a big theme of, of our show, is the stuff we don't think about. It's like, if we are if we keep looking for uh, conscious racism, we're going to chase our own tails. But it's, it's, it's easier to just, like, realize the shit that you don't think about and just go, especially if you don't have to feel ashamed of it, just go, well, I didn't think about that. I totally, without ever thinking about it, I was like, if you you said we were going to get real Chinese food, and I absolutely automatically was like, well, we're going downtown L.A. Because and that's where Chinatown is. That's where Chinatown – that's where all Chinese people <laughs> always are is downtown, whatever city you're in. Like I couldn't <laughs> – and we were driving back from the thing, and I'm like, what is it – what was so challenging to me about the idea that, oh, the, the, the more Chinese place is in this neighborhood called El Hambra? And I guess it was like, well, because – they're Chinese. Like, they're supposed to be downtown. Like, I never I never thought about it. It's the, but it's like You're like, there's a designated place for Chinese people, and it's called Chinatown. It could not be more clear. Yeah, and it was, it was definitely because of this Chinatown association, this idea that in every city there's a Chinatown. And, and um, but I wasn't even thinking about Chinatown. I was just, as much as I was thinking, like, it was just sort of like I know that we're that's that's all my hipster friends ever. If whenever the idea of authentic Chinese food is co- coming up, then that means we're driving to this part of Los Angeles where you never go for anything other than some fucking weirdly ex- inaccessible Chinese food, or like a weird massage, or like fucked up like dangerous karaoke, or just to stroll around and wait to get mugged. I, I like, like there's only <laughs> just so many like reasons. Yoo-hoo, I've got some cash. <laughs> Uh, but never in my life that it never entered my head the possibility that there is a a neighborhood in the outskirts where the real Chinese shit is going down. <laughs> and you thought you were going to call me out and be like, "Oh, we're not going to Chinatown. I guess it's too real for you." I thought about it like for five minutes. I, I was I was like, oh, "Jessica turns out to be a chicken shit. Like she talks a tall game. She's probably not even that Chinese." Alhambra. <laughs> she's probably where her parents lived, and it's just like she's like some suburban Chinese. <laughs> Person, she's, I mean, she's true. like vanilla I, I ice. Am a, I am a suburban Chinese you're person. Not, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not authentic Chinese because you're not, not gangsta. Street, I'm not street Chinese. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then Jeff Davis. I was sitting next to him when I was like, I was like Alhambra. He's like, Oh yeah, that's the real deal. And you get a. You should have left ten minutes ago. 
But I love that you also you needed another white guy to corroborate that 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 you were going to a Chinese place. Yeah, because well, uh, not not, not just another white guy, the snobbiest white guy I know who's lived who's lived in California his whole life. So he everything he says sounds like like oh it, okay it's true then. Alhambra is part of the San Gabriel Valley, which is the valley that is directly east of uh, the city of Los Angeles. So it's part of L.A. County, but it's a suburb of the city of Los Angeles. And it's like 90 percent Chinese people for the past, I would say, like four decades. It's been like 90 percent Chinese people. And you guys picked it because it was east? I I mean, I don't know. I wasn't around for that. but (laughs) It's like you realize you're always west of something. Sure. I, I mean, mean guys, I get, we're west can't, of the East Coast, you if you want to put it that you way. You can't make a, an identity <laughs> out of this idea that you're East. <laughs> it's, 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 you can't cling to that. You're always going to be West of something. In this case, of real China, which must drive you crazy. I mean, it depends on which. I mean, the the Earth is round. I'm sorry to break it to you. So, yeah. I, I mean, you could argue it's we're east or west of something. All right. Well, then I'm east of everything. Okay. Okay. So you represent the far east. Anyways, yeah. we were east of Los Angeles. And, yeah. And then uh, I asked Dan if uh, he if he'd just never been this far east, and then I realized <laughs> what I was saying. Uh. Yeah. And we. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, we, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't have much conversation at that dinner, except it was. I mean, just about my mind being blown by how good everything was. I really liked it. Yeah, I was especially excited to introduce you to Dan Dan Noodles. A, A, because it's one of my favorite things, and B, because it's called Dan Dan. And I get to never again say I don't like Chinese food. And it's not even like you're, 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 you put enough care into it that you took me out, put my face in it, and said, there, now your logic circuits have to. <laughs> <laughs> have to think about that but you didn't necessarily have to do that nor should you it is but to put a candle on that and go how many times have you said that i don't like italian i don't like chinese i don't like you know it's like it seems like a banal thing to say that it's just you saying like i don't like summer as much as i like winter but but unlike the seasons you you're there is a there's it, it it's connected to somebody. There might be a Chinese person within earshot hearing you say, "I don't like Chinese food," which sounds different, maybe to I don't know. It just sound you just sound like uh, you're you're casting a vote in your casual conversation for like a more empirical world where there's like only so many experiences to have, and you've already just ruled things out, and it probably just casts a pallor over everything. I honestly, I was I wasn't even thinking about all of that. I was just surprised because I know that you have a Shall we say limited palate? Yeah. <laughs> you're you're a picky eater, and you're you're not an adventurous eater. And so, I was just surprised that for you to say that because I, in my estimation, I wouldn't have assumed that you were somebody who's tried a lot of foods. Right, but but everyone has had something that they could call Chinese. Why would you be surprised that I was a lazy bigot? <laughs> I, guess I, I guess that's my mistake is to be surprised that you were lazy. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> that you like, had a lazy opinion about something. You could have Chinese food on Universal City Walk. There's somebody there that's selling something that you can say is Chinese. That's that, That's what my experience was. I've had – it's like there was a Red Lobster in Milwaukee. We're – very many miles away from any ocean. Like <laughs> I didn't like when I came to LA, I said I don't like seafood. And then there was a time when there was nothing else to eat and I had I had seafood at some restaurant that's like in Santa Monica and it's like so close to the ocean that I had for the first time a, a fish and a lobster th- that had 
been alive a little bit before I ate it. And it was, I was like, oh, I see the appeal here. Yeah. I mean, Red Lobster, beware a, re- a seafood restaurant where the best thing there is biscuits. <laughs> or the placemat. Yeah. So also, by the way, like, my, I have an aunt who, uh, for the longest time, she would see ads for Red Lobster. And in her mind, it was this, like, super high-end, high-class, fancy restaurant. She was constantly telling her husband, like, take me to Red Lobster. I really want to go to Red Lobster. Because yeah. she just had – she, for some reason, I don't know what it was about the marketing, but it made her think that it was, like – at the level of like a the nicest steakhouse, it definitely penetrated whatever that was. That was the case in Milwaukee. We, we Rob and I, Shrab, we always joke about that. Like we we when we got signed at UTA, like we we stopped we stopped at a Red Lobster because we were driving home. We, we we were doing it like tongue in cheek, but it was also like. We were two guys from Milwaukee, and we were passing a Red Lobster, which no one in L.A. probably ever chooses to eat at. But we were like, let's – we're going to Red Lobster, <laughs> which was a big deal for us. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, going to Sizzler was a huge deal. Right. But when I was a kid, like, going to any white restaurant was a big deal. That's when we wanted to be fancy. Like, if we were trying to be fancy, we would go to a white restaurant. And usually that was – that was either Sizzler or IHOP. And both of those were always, like, the best days of my life. It might be, like, a pre-internet thing. You could definitely – you could get away with it if you're a chain. And then you could say, like, well – these podunks, like, just raise the prices by $5 a plate and and word will get around that you can only go to this place if you're rich and then all the poor people will want to eat there. But you can't really do that now that it, you know, there's Yelp and people can just go, what the <laughs> fuck? I went in there and they gave me diarrhea on a well, plate. Did you read the story a couple of months ago where this woman opened this, like, kind of small bistro in, like, I don't I want to say, like, Long Beach or somewhere, somewhere in the South Bay? And, uh, and then she was caught uh, – buying Popeyes and then serving <laughs> it and marking it up for like three times as much. I honestly feel like in Milwaukee I remember the concept like like I my family never ate at Red Lobster and part of it was like we felt like you'd have to dress up to go there. Um, I know that sounds like a joke but like I swear that was in my head that you, that if you if we ever went to Red Lobster it was like something that rich people did and we would have to like put on our church clothes in order to go there and there's just too much hassle and couldn't afford it. When I oh, – for my 21st birthday, my family was like, well, this is a momentous occasion. This is like a, a, a milestone. You know, This is a very special birthday. So we got to do something really nice, which meant go to a white restaurant. So we went to Applebee's <laughs> and they had never gone to Applebee's and like in the suburb that we that they were living in at the time, like a, a new Applebee's had just opened and it was like a big deal. So we all go to, you know, the whole family piles into the van and goes to Applebee's and, uh, you know, like the inside. It's like a it's like a Chili's or a TGI Friday in that like the walls are full of like tchotchkes and mm. decor. And my dad was just so blown away by it. He was just like, <laughs> what is all this stuff on the wall? Like, did they put that there on purpose? <laughs> like, he didn't understand, like, the idea of kitsch, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's decorative. He was like, yeah, but it just looks like, he's like, there's no theme. Like, it it's, looks like there's not historic yeah. stuff. You know, like, he's like, it just looks like somebody took stuff out of their garage and put it up on the walls. Ah. And he didn't understand it. And, like, at the time, my parents owned a uh, a a diner because we love being racial stereotypes. So of course, at some point, they owned a restaurant, and it was like a strip mall diner, um, and uh, and it only served breakfast and lunch. 
And, you know, it's just like a bunch of regulars. It was like a cop hangout where people come in and get some pancakes and eggs and like some teriyaki chicken or whatever. And uh, and he, my dad, it was like his baby. Like he always wanted to elevate this place, but it was a strip mall diner. And uh, and so he was always looking for ways to class up the joint. <laughs> and I was like, no, like this will never be a steakhouse. This is never going to be a tablecloth kind of restaurant, you know, like no matter what you do. And, and for some reason, he had it in his head that like if he made the menu look nicer than just a piece of paper that was Xerox, mm-hmm. that it'll bring in a different class of diners. <laughs> so far, I'm like I'm on the same page as your dad. <laughs> Wait, so we were so at Applebee's, you know, they have this like laminated spiral bound right. uh, menu and he was like, oh, my God, like, I got to do a – he was like, I need to get photos, like, that look like th- – these photos look great. I should get it laminated. I should get the spiral bound. And, like, he wanted to rip off the Chili's slogan and, like, adapt it to – he was just going to take out the word uh, – the Applebee's. He was just going to take out the word Applebee's and put it in his restaurant's name but use the same slogan. What was the slogan? It was something like, it's uh, not fast food, it's Applebee's <laughs> or something like that. And he was just going to rip it off. <laughs> And it was, and he was so taken by this menu that he told my mom he was like, "Put this menu in your purse so that I could like crib it later." <laughs> yeah, I don't trust myself to to, to commit remember. this to. Yeah. And he, he needed an example to show like a printer that right. he goes to, you know, and like, but it's like an enormous <laughs> menu. It's huge. It's it's a spiral bound like right. presentation menu, you know. So she had to like kind of roll it up and stick it in her mini backpack that she was using as a purse but you're kind of like i mean your dad's applying the broken window theory a little yeah, bit which yeah. which which some which in different contexts it's like it's like it works as much as people point out no it doesn't work you know what i mean but like like you're i'm i'm thinking your dad's application of this theory is the is the right one i'm not, i'm not just being glib and like agreeing with your dad to disagree with you i'm like yeah like the difference between a strip mall restaurant that you that you just like you know you it, it, it's all about like like classing it up like if you you choose that i do believe that your table class and a menu away from starting to create a a syndrome of thought in the customer's mind that this is a nice place i do i also believe it could work against you though that yeah. people would come in and go oh that's that clumsy place that was <laughs> that where i feel like i'm making it dirty because I could only I only have time to eat at the strip mall next to the gym, but then I go in there and it feels like they want it to be the U.S. Embassy. And... Sure. Well, but also, I mean, the menu wasn't going to change. It was going to be like it was diner food. You know, it was like it yeah, was but like... yeah, but he was correctly realizing that that's all Applebee's is serving, and they're bragging about it in their slogan. They're going, "Oh, it's not it's not oranges, it's apples," and it's like. Says you, uh, like, like, like <laughs> Look, fuck you, he, Applebee's. But here's the thing: he could, he was gonna, he, he actually seriously considered putting in leather booths, uh-huh. like, like a steakhouse. And I, but it's like you would have just wasted thousands of dollars putting in leather booths when you're still selling like six dollar sandwiches and like ten dollar breakfast meals. You know, I mean, you might be, you're, you're probably practical and probably right, but yeah. it's just like it, as a, he would have I, to overhaul the entire thing. What, but as a writer, yeah. don't you agree that your character in the story is the villain? <laughs> like that you're telling no. your. To, I'm the villain. Yeah, you're telling your dad to no, stop I'm dreaming. Not. Yeah, you're telling him. I'm the, the I'm the like the realist. I'm the pragmatist. Yeah. So are the villains in stories that make you feel good? Like your dad is. So going, you think I'm Thanos? I you're, well, I haven't seen it. Don't spoil. Oh it. my god. Uh, you got to wait till 2019. <laughs> get, get that. I'm not pre-ordering that shit either. I don't understand that sales model. Oh my god. Uh, pre-ordered Spider-Man Nine. Why? What do you get? What am I? Do I get to? Do? Usually it's at a discount, and you might get like some sort of special. Oh well. They should say it. 
cost two dollars less. Like, 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 yeah, yeah. What is this bullshit? Trying to sell me some fucking pre-boot like Spider-Man promise? <laughs> All right, anyways, but no, but you de- come on, you've seen a, you've seen a million movies, right? About like. Especially the immigrant oh, story. He's, he's a dreamer, yeah, and I'm he's like, like, I wish that my restaurant the, was classier. And, and you're I'm like, the, Dad, give up your <laughs> dreams. You're just selling tempura. Like you're. I'm piece the of immigrant, shit. so I'm the immigrant parent who's like, you yeah. can't be an artist. You yeah. gotta go be a doctor. Yeah, you're like, Dad, why don't you play your role and and and. and like like hate yourself and like res- resign yourself to like shit work and oh lord but like don't you can't you can't you can't be a Rockefeller you're you were born <laughs> a Chang yeah show me the Rockefeller who made his fortune turning a strip mall diner into a steakhouse <laughs> well that's I mean I'm saying like your advice probably was practical but narratively it's like very easy to vilify <laughs> you know what that's fine because I I guess I'm like Batman where the pe- the citizens don't appreciate my help. <laughs> You, I'm, you I, need to stop making your restaurant fancy. <laughs> it's just a goddamn Chinese place next to a chiropractor. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the hero my dad deserves, but I'm the hero he needs. The fact is, no matter how much quality, no matter the thread count of your tablecloths, you're just going to get shitty food spilled all over it. <laughs> oh, no, Batman, I just try to make a good... Is my dad Italian? Yeah, I, I try to make a good food <laughs> in the Alhambra. <laughs> I think it's because oh, I grew up in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So if you're eating Chinese food in Milwaukee in the 70s and 80s, yeah. What is that? I don't know. It's like whatever you, whatever's down the street, and it's um, there's only so many things that make it Chinese as opposed to something else. Well, were, it, were they Chinese-run businesses? Oh, I, I, I doubt it. Like, I mean, were there Chinese people behind the counter? Why would I even know that when I was? You didn't notice? Ten, you know. I'm saying like. What are you going? You're going to like, like, like a Chinese restaurant in the in the Midwest in a small town in the mm-hmm. '80s. It's no, it's going to be, it's whatever it is. So like, I also didn't like seafood because I mm-hmm. lived in yep. the, nowhere near an ocean. Yeah, I didn't know that I was eating bad seafood because there's a red lobster everywhere. So I was eating at the Red Lobster equivalent of Chinese restaurants, and I was like, I don't sure. like this. I'd rather eat another hot dog. Well, that's why I was so convinced that you don't actually dislike Chinese food. Right, right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're definitely turning out to be right. So that's, <laughs> to sum up, that's why we're here is because you were like, don't say I don't like Chinese food. You probably never had it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like taking me to real Chinese food. Yeah. Which is certainly delicious. Yes. Yes. And so this... Oh, Beyonce Um This place definitely makes the best beef rolls out of like any restaurant I've been to in LA. This is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't. I didn't try that sauce on it yet. I think you're like it's not. It's not super spicy. It just gives it a little bit of a kick. Oh man. Oh, great. Yeah. Let's let's give the uh, ASMR listeners a little... (laughs) (laughs) It feels a little guilty because not that Chinese food is synonymous with healthy, but for me it's synonymous with grown-up as opposed to, like, what you want to eat. Grown-up? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, because I'm... The 10-year-old in me is like, why would I eat Chinese food? There's a bag of Cheetos in front of me. Uh, I mean... I mean, wouldn't that be true of any food that isn't junk food, then? Yeah. Okay. 
So any food made with like real ingredients um, is adult food. Yeah. Okay. I'm a holdout on the like the foodie culture thing. Like I don't like my friends talking about <clears throat> food like they like there's the stakes are high. It kind of turns me off. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm automatically convinced that they're there's something disingenuous happening when people are like that into food because I'm like come on you're just you're just trying to like gain your power back in an infantilizing society like because you you want to like pretend that you that some strange zucchini is better than others or you know I don't know I'm just kind of like why why won't everyone admit that that this pizza is good you know or this (laughs) beer is good like they must be trying to impress me or like convince themselves that their the, their tongue is an adventurer. The amount of like aggressive projection you apply to people is astounding. Yeah, I love that everything is some sort of potential attack on you. Yeah, when my therapist says I'm filled with shame, so like I'm like it's like overflowing. So anyone that bumps me or doesn't yeah, yeah. bump me or makes me move, yeah. Shame will spill out, and then I gotta justify it. <laughs> like, oh, I feel ashamed because that person mentioned red hats. Red hats sure. are, and then you gotta like come up you, with and a. And then whatever your association is with it. Yeah. Okay. I want you to try some of the a, a soup dumpling here. Yeah, I gotta be. I didn't. I didn't know. Out of all the things I thought were gonna happen at this dinner, yeah. I didn't go. know one would be that. Let me put a little bit of vinegar in here. Oh yeah. That I'd have to. Um, so eat it with a spoon because it's got it's got a ton of broth in it, and you don't want it. And be careful; it might squirt. All right, is it going to be like boiling hot at this point? No, 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 no. It's totally fine. Yeah, if you want to just do a one. <laughs> oh. Perfect. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Mm. That was like an audible squirt. Oh man, it's so good. I love the vinegar. I know that's not all that's for sale here. <laughs> Let's talk about what we've learned. Uh, uh, I, 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 I can think of a couple things that I wouldn't, I think I only, I learned from doing this podcast that, are, that stick out to me. And then I walked into this podcast with this trip about race neutral writing. And then we, which is no, is, is no, no less a, positive concept but what i did learn is that is something that i sh- really should have i just had this sort of like thing in my head where it was like very simple where either you're writing uh uh authentically because you're black and you're writing about black people as an example but if you're white the best you can do is just like write race neutral and then we had our guest jazz who you know she's like kind of she shattered that shit and was like, well, no, you could write about black people basically or sub- sub- substitute any word for that. You could write about uh, physically challenged people You could because you write sci-fi. So you could, you're going to write about people living on the moon, but you're going you're gonna to read some shit about it. And it's like depending on the tonality and the responsibility of the thing you're going to write, if you're writing about human beings and you want them to be from Africa – and it, it, you can't let whiteness be an excuse to just be like, well, I'm not even going to go there. It's like not going to solve the problem necessarily any more than being uh, a, a bull in a china shop and going like, well, I don't know anything about Africa, but I'll just I'll just read a Wikipedia page and then I'll 
or or even worse, like, well, this story is about Africa, but I think I'll turn it into South America because I went there once. Or 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 I'll just I'll just set it in Idaho because I don't sure, want to go. Because that's there. what I know. Because yeah. I want to do these people a favor yeah. and not not intrude. It's it's like there's a lot of ways to to do everything wrong, and I think like the, the 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 big thing is is basically laziness. Like 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 if you're doing what's easy, you're probably you might be doing what's best for you. You might you because you might be following your bliss, but you're if you're def, if you're interested in like breaking a cycle or or being helpful, leaving the world a little better than you found it. It's probably not going to coincide with you as a writer doing exactly what was easy for you. Similar to that, like I feel like I went through a bit of a roller coaster in trying to figure out what the best way, uh, what the best means of representation is. And I think that, and I think I've come to the conclusion that it's we need every type because. On the one hand, there's an argument for and against. There are arguments for and against writing race neutral characters because, you know, like Jazz said, you know, if when you write race neutral, you're not really doing any favors for the, a character of color, or a person of color, because it's not representative of that culture of of POC. But on the other hand, there are people who are like, look, I appreciate a character who where their race, they're they're not white, but their race isn't a factor. They're just a good character. Right. Like, I mean, you, you hear that argument with like action stars or movie characters, too, where you're like, this whole thing wasn't about a man or a woman. It, it was just a good character. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think a really good example is when you I know the answer is no, but Killing Eve. Have you seen Killing Eve? Three times. <laughs> it's a TV show. Okay. That hasn't ended Third yet. Third episode. <laughs> it's uh, it's by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who did Fleabag, which was a phenomenal show. I know P-Bridge. <laughs> That's why I didn't eat as many beef noodles. I, I was just coming from dinner with her in uh, Sherman Oaks. <laughs> she lives in England. Okay. Uh, well, you know, Sandra Oh uh, is the uh, protagonist, and she plays like a you know MI five agent, and um, and her and the character's name is Eve Polastri, and was most likely written for a white woman, a Polish woman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sandra Oh's cast, and like the sh- n- there really almost is nothing about her being Asian. Like she's just a really good, well written, awesome, real character. And on the one hand, you know, there's a part of me that can appreciate that. And I think a lot of people appreciate that, which is like, look, she's just a good character. It doesn't have anything to do with race. Um, And I think that that's fine. But it's not okay if that's all you get. Mm -hmm. And the other the other half of this coin is we also want race specific things because I want stories that are reflective of my culture, of of my experience uh, in America, of things that I specifically can relate to, because even though there's a lot of universal themes, but overwhelmingly everything is from a white perspective and a white lens. And there are certain things that uh, that would I would really appreciate as a reflection of myself and what my experience is like as a person of color, as an Asian woman. Um, and I don't think that the two uh, the two kinds of representation should be mutually exclusive. I think we need both. I think it scratches two different itches. <laughs> When I was a when I was a kid in China, there was a, a famous um, hair loss treatment, like an over the counter hair loss treatment called 101. Do you want more water? Thanks. Um, and that was a, uh, and it was like, 
it was like as famous as like Rogaine was. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like triple A. Yeah. Or double A or whatever. It's yeah. Like... And uh, I remember the, the corner store I would go to, they would all, my, my grandpa uh, was bald and the ladies at the corner store would tell me to call my grandpa 101 and I didn't understand what it meant and it was them getting me to make fun of my grandpa for being bald. That's circuitous. Yeah. So I'd go home and I'd be like, the lady said your name is 101. Like, like, they, like a hand grenade of insult. Like, <laughs> like, like he'd just start slowly weeping. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, I made Yeah, because my... he was very sensitive about it. <laughs> it was very cruel and calculated. God damn. Well, like everything, there's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And if we say on one end of the spectrum is assimilation, mm-hmm. which we've learned throughout our conversations there, there are versions of assimilation, both historically and even in the present world, um, that, that and we won't get derailed by talking about that, but like there are... There are instances of assimilation that are positive, healthy, wonderful, part of the solution. And and then on the other end of the spectrum, for lack of a better word, separatism, um, uh, which people won't like me using that word in reference to something like, you know, these triumphs that we're having now, like where it's like, hey, man, this was directed by a black person. This is all a cast of black, like, like we're that, that that like we're recognizing race. We're recognizing that the point of view yeah. is different. It's culturally specific things. Yeah. You and want specificity. Neither, That's what it is. And, and, and in both cases, yeah. we're all very accurate as primates to go. I don't know. There's a slippery slope because what we're really saying is yeah if if you have one fucking solution to a, a problem that is essentially the, the it's, it's it's in every cell of your body it's a, there's there's a, there's as many permutations of the problem as there are human beings because this in the middle is empathy in the middle is awareness it's understanding that every single conversation you have every interaction you have every every way that you can affect other people that that they are as different as as days you can live, as people you can meet, like just because yesterday no one ever complained about X, uh, hashtag Apu, whatever, you know, like just because for 40 years no one's ever complained. Not really. That doesn't really mean that today it's not a problem. And, and, and just because you've never noticed something doesn't mean that it's not there just because. And that that's the that's the. That's that that's the problem with these two extremes. Like, oh, everyone just needs to pretend they're white and we'll have no problem. White people need to stop um acting like black people are black and black people need to stop thinking of themselves as being different from white. And then all the if everyone does that, then everything will be solved. Yeah, in that sci-fi universe that probably solved, but at the expense of a lot of fucking horrible th- things happening that we've seen before. And then on the other end, I guess I'm I'm repeating myself too much, but because <laughs> now I'm just Dan explaining what those two things are. But we go round and round those things, and we use the, the other thing is that we use those extreme poles to argue against each other. Yeah, and then we get nothing done. Yeah, and really the solution is let's yes to everything. Yeah. We need we need everything. Yes, it we is should, good yeah. that a comic yesterday who who calls himself uh, 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 Philip Chang uh, uh, you know does this uh, uh, Yakov Smirnoff style act where he's talking about the differences between Chinese people and, and American people. It's a, it's a, people might praise that and it might be pr- it's it, yes it's good that this this person of color 
Miller is playing the part of an that should normally be a white person and no one ever mentions their race. Like these things can all be triumphs and they don't have to fly in the face of each other. They can all be it's like wiggling a tooth. I mean, there's like no direction you can wiggle it that isn't part of the thing of like getting it out of your mouth. Yeah, because it's it's too hard, too difficult and incredibly unfair for any one thing to be representative of an entire people. Like that's way too much pressure and it's incredibly unfair. So for because there's so few uh, uh, shows of and movies of representation for any person of color, like whenever one comes out, it has the weight of the entire community on it. And that's so unfair to put on one thing. Um, especially when, like, white shows just to get to be themselves. And so this whole argument over, like, what is good representation, like, what do we need in in the terms of representation, like, all of this would be moot if we just had enough representation. Then you can have some of this, some of that, and then everybody can have uh, whatever it is that they want, you know. But because of the fact that there's not enough, that's why we get into these kind of arguments about what is the right representation, what is the the best way to do it. And if there was just hundreds of each one, we wouldn't be having this argument. Yeah, and I think that's why maybe sometimes we might get annoyed by um, people say, "Oh, this is the this is that trope or that trope," and you and you as a white person, you could get a you could get a little reoffended by going like. Well, for crying out loud, I thought the problem was when we did too much of this. Now we're doing this, and you're telling me that's wrong, like the Trinity syndrome. Yeah, uh, like, like, like I, that was my first reaction with people. You know, your, your female character can't just be literally strong, like lift a car while the while Keanu cowers in a corner. That's not doing enough. And then my first reaction as a writer is going, "Well, for crying out loud, come on! You just told me yesterday Keanu can't rescue her. Now she's throwing a car across the room, and you're complaining about that. But that is not. That's the problematic thinking. Is is this this thing of thinking that? I'm being forced to do something that that it's not just someone trying to communicate with me and saying the same way that we might talk about other comic book movie tropes like, oh, well, they did that that thing they always do in a Hulk movie. It's not it's not telling me to do anything unless I want to take ownership over uh, over my race and my gender, which is another big the first and biggest thing that I learned in this podcast was that big moment of like not invited to the conversation. It doesn't mean that I'm not empowered and privileged and autonomous and like, but it does mean that as a huge gift to me as a white male writer, straight white male writer that I actually get to like calm the fuck down. If I, if I hear people talking about what's going wrong in Hollywood, what's, what, what, what's being not done right and what's not being done enough. It, there is no scenario where I just keep my mouth shut and lose something. It just doesn't. I mean, maybe over forty years. I don't know. Like, <laughs> right. I, but I don't. I don't think so. I don't think anything's ever been taken from from a demographic because they uh, that was already in power because they didn't fight back. Right. I just don't think that that is. And, and, and if you can cite me examples of that, it's going to be. My response is going to be, yeah, but what do you, you want to be on that side? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and also it's like there's always exceptions to the rule. We're just talking in generalizations of like you don't you don't have to insert like not every conversation is revolves around you. And you're not and you're not and if you want to live in a world where where we are less uh, you know, anything, th- then that part of that is going to be letting go. I mean, it's <laughs> 
it you're probably going to have to just be like, well, do I represent white people? Because there's a word for that. And you can't if you equate that with, well, she gets to she's talking about Chinese problems. How come I can't talk about white problems? Because that's what Nazis do. And that's not really it's, it's like that. That's that's not something I learned from this podcast. That's something I came <laughs> to this podcast understanding. Well, also, the, the basis of America is unless it is specified, everything is white. That's the default, you know. So if you're talking about something in general, everyone's in, everyone assumes that you're talking about white things. And if a white person is talking about things in general, they mean white things. That's why we specify because unless we specify, it's just going to be a white issue. All right. So when you do Thanksgiving and it's all Chinese, mm-hmm. um, I know you're going to you think I'm going to ask the tough question, which is, what are you thankful for? <laughs> but are are there special the way there's certain stuff that you only eat? Uh, at Thanksgiving in a Midwestern household, like no one's ever going to have cranberry <laughs> sauce or you know just certain shit. Like, is no, there... Thanksgiving is an American holiday, so you're just making so, a big meal. So it's it really, like... yeah. So I mean, at least in my family, it really just—it's just a good excuse to get family together and eat a big meal. But there's no like traditional foods right. that we serve. But every meal at, with my parents, there's definitely going to be dumplings. Um. They usually will probably make some sort of ribs. Um, I don't know, maybe like Kung Pao chicken or something like that. Oh, uh, my aunt makes these uh, uh, beer-battered uh, wings that are really good. Um, what else? Oh, there's always going to be a soup. Usually we, we like to do winter melon meatball soup. But it's, it'll be like, you know, like 15 dishes. But I can't go to any Chinese restaurant and go, <clears throat> all right, let's see if they have dandan noodles, because it'll probably be in Chinese on the menu. But if you say dandan noodles, they'll know what you're talking about. I mean, on the menu, it said dandan noodles. That menu was uh, many drawings of cathedrals and <laughs> an advertisement for a lawyer, who I assume does mostly personal injury work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not act like there's uh, red velvet in this restaurant. We're we're down and dirty here. No, but it was it wasn't the menu kind of. Uh, I didn't actually look at the menu. Yeah, it was, like, it was a spiral bound laminated menu with a lot of pictures and and very eighties looking graphic design. I don't know. I'll say nineties. It was nineties graphic design. But did it, did it say Dan Dan noodles in like English like? Yeah. Yeah, it had English for every item. So we know I like Dan Dan noodles. We know I like beef uh, rolls. rolls. Yeah. That could be anything anywhere, right? Like, this place must make amazing beef rolls that wouldn't be the same anywhere else. Pretty similar. I I think they do make the best one, but, like, if you go to another restaurant that makes it, it's going to be close enough. This is incredible. This is like I'd get mad. If I was a kid and my mom had made these and then I couldn't have them anymore, Uh I could see getting in a fight and going to juvie or something. Going to do that yeah. level of fighting? Yeah, like, I'd be like, what are you trying to do? You'd pull a knife on your mom? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go smoke pot in the park if you're not going to give me my beef rolls. It's not you, cool. You sure showed her. <laughs> hey, 
Here's another. Here's another thing I learned. People that say that they like sharks don't mean yeah. they, they like <laughs> sharks. They mean they're like fans of the shark concept. <laughs> And as a difference, it's What's like it's like I could say concept? I like werewolves or I like mafia movies. You uh-huh. know, it's like oh, but people get shot in the head in those movies. Yeah, no, I'm a fan of the genre. Your scientist friend, uh, shark... I love that it's now it's my scientist. You brought her in and called her an Asian woman scientist expert. You owned yeah. her. <laughs> you, it was on your Skype. And uh, no, she was lovely for other reasons, like like talking to her about the academic aspect of all the shit that we discussed and seeing but all how, the shark stuff you hated, seeing all that stuff how it plays out across. You know, it's like like academia. Like you mm-hmm. think that oh, they have smart people problems. Yeah, like you can be a genius and work with other geniuses, and they can be like not having like learned how to deal with women in the workplace, or like they can like think, and it could be worse because they they. They're like, I have a 200 IQ. I'm married to a black woman. I'm not racist. Mm-hmm. And then they can, because of that, they can be like so fucked up. Yeah. Like it's it, it's it's really an interesting. Anyways, but but that shark shit just all it did was confirm all of my prejudices. Uh, here's here's <laughs> you the... said you were 90 percent uh, converted. No, I said well, what I said I was very careful to say this because I wanted to be. I was a good host, and she was a very thoughtful, wonderful person. And it's like what I said was. I'm not going to assume that people who like sharks are bad people anymore. That was your big uh, concession to me. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm like, if the next person that says I love sharks, I'm not going to be like, okay, they must be a sociopath necessarily. They I could think be I'm a like sociopath a... for different reasons. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but but she was like, oh, sharks are great, and then as if and then bullet points, they have a million teeth. <laughs> Um, because they're constantly falling out because they're eating everything. They never poop because they, they've had They're mo- so efficient. Yeah, they, because they're so good at eating everything. I'm like, these are all the reasons why I hate them. Like, they're eating machines. I mean, at this point, I feel like you're just jealous of sharks. I, I, I yeah. Aren't you jealous oh! of- Aren't you jealous of the devil? He can, uh, <laughs> he can, he can make a million dollars by waving it. You're supposed to hate him. He's evil. <laughs> You're jealous? Aren't you jealous of the Doctor No? He can control weather and blow up the planet, but James Bond needs to stop him by sleeping with women. In the right order. I mean, I and using gadgets. <laughs> it's not all about the sex. I'm more jealous of Blofeld because he has that amazing cat. Exactly. See, we like we can be jealous of things that we also know that we should hate. Yes, sharks. I hear they don't get cancer. They never stop moving. They can swim underwater. That's something to be jealous of. When I go swimming, I wish I could swim better. I'm jealous of sharks. I don't. I don't like them. I'm not. Fa- I don't think that they're good people. This is quite a backtrack from uh, last episode because as soon as we were done recording, you were like, "Yeah, ninety percent converted." No, if you listen back, you'll hear me. I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> I'm using empathy, and I'm like, "She's a good person. She's converted me." I'm not mistrustful of people. She's a scientist who said uh, sh- no one in her field gave a fuck about sharks because you look at them and they look like disgusting monsters for a reason. They are. Um, and because they are, people would file information about them and like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with sharks. Who gives a fuck? They're gross. They're like fucking flesh torpedoes in the water that just like cause trouble wherever they go. And she was like, well, wait a minute. That's what you say about me when I'm in the bathroom. I'm going to like fucking like take a, I'm a scientist. Like I'm going to explore this part of the taxonomical universe that people aren't prone to go. People who are into bed bugs, you know, there's scientists that are like, I know a million things about bed bugs that nobody knows. Thank God I do. 
because no one will study bed bugs because they're vermin. You know, that's on that level, I really respected. What would it take for you to be willing to go on like a shark dive? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like go in one of those cages. Like name anything, and I would do it before I ever went on a shark dive. <laughs> like it's right in the name. I wouldn't even do anything with either of those words in it separately. I wouldn't go on a you chocolate wouldn't... dive because <laughs> it involves some diving. <laughs> and I wouldn't eat a chocolate shark because it looks too much like a shark. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't have a shark orgasm. I wouldn't uh I wouldn't have a money dive. Oh, I, Lord. A shark dive. That's like saying uh, do you want cancer leprosy? <laughs> no. And in fact, let me break that down. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to explode, but I know there's a special uh, Chinese dessert coming. There, there is no Chinese dessert here. What about boba balls? <laughs> Although, before on my way to this restaurant, I went to my favorite dessert place and picked up some Chinese dessert for us to eat. Mm. And we can have it in the studio. But you put those, you put the boba in my head. You want a boba? We can get you a boba to go. Tan Tan wants a boba. Tan Tan wants a boba. Why isn't that a t-shirt? Do you want a boba? I want a boba to go, but... <laughs> All right, we'll get a... Dan Dan wants a boba to go, but... Uh, um, another thing that I learned over the course of the season was I guess something that really shouldn't have surprised me but did surprise me was the length and of that, our episodes. The length of our episodes, <laughs> that didn't surprise me. The the lengths that white dudes will go to to defend shows that they claim to not even care about but are but wanted to argue just because people of color were saying this is not cool and this is not okay. And it's it was really, really eye-opening how many – the two most written-in-about subjects on this show are Confederate because I said <laughs> uh, those white guys should not make this, this show Confederate and profit off of black pain. And some stories don't belong to them and that's one of them. And then two, the Apu thing of like people writing in and taking issue – specifically taking issue with me saying like Apu is a racist – people defending the fact that he's not a racist stereotype because the – a lot of people wanted to – wanted me to admit like, oh, Apu uh, ha- is funny. Ha- there's been instances where Apu is funny outside of being a racial stereotype where he genuinely has funny jokes or something. And it's like, OK, that's fine, but he's still a racial stereotype. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I can admit that he has – there are, Apu has had funny moments and possibly stories. I don't know. Um, but for sure, like jokes that weren't specifically about him having an accent or being Indian. But doesn't matter. Like uh, that you you got to take it with the whole like that. There's always exceptions to the rule. But it's also funny how many guys wrote in and throughout their their pages long email multiple multiple times saying, well, I don't really care. But and then and then. Three cent, three paragraphs later saying, but really, I don't care, but... And it's mm. like, if you didn't care, why did you write in, like, a 10-page email about this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, that is, that, that's part of a, a thing that I've learned by watching my own behavior in these conversations. It's like, what is this... 
What is this trigger? Why, what, what am I defending? What do I think is going to happen if yeah. I don't um, take the other side of an issue? And I, and I still haven't I, – I guess I haven't learned I've, – I've become aware of that funny bone. I don't know what is going on there or what the issue is. For all I know, it's a great instinct that, uh, uh, that, that either human beings, when they inherit this thing called privilege, that that's just something that comes with the primatological – uh, empowerment, maybe. My therapist told me there's been studies that, that are that are rare because it it it's obviously more of a unicorn. But when this Me Too thing started, you know, she's quick to point out in the confines of our little thought chamber where she can't have tomatoes thrown at her. Like she's like, by the way, don't you're shaming yourself too much. People in power are the people that end up abusing people. Women that become like super fucking powerful of their domain like they do start slipping unsupervised into harassment of 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 male subordinates and things if they're straight you know it's other stuff like like so is it is it that in that is it is it that people who who don't even realize that they're privileged but just are do they take on this like weird role of of like anytime someone's complaining about anything in their vicinity that no matter what no matter how fucking impoverished they are no matter how little of a shit they give they still have this magical like tiara on in their head where they're like hey over there what's going on in railroad town i'm the mayor of it you know like like that you kind of that's kind of charming if that's what it is that there's an actual like kind of conch that you get like even if you're trailer trash but you're white so you're just like uh, who said that's racist I take issue with that. <laughs> it's this weird, you know. I well, honest, if it's racist, then you're unhappy, and I'm I'm in charge around here. Honestly, I really think it's just having when you're born with something, and in in this instance, I'm talking about privilege. When you're born with something, it feels normal. It just feels like a part of you. You don't have to think about it because you have this privilege. And then when someone points it out to you. You feel like even just acknowledging that you're getting something taken away from you um, because you're told, hey, you thought that that was base level and I'm telling you base level is lower. And so you think like, oh, well, they're trying to take away this thing that's mine. You know, I also think to be fair, when we have these conversations, they are always in the context of something being at stake. I just want to point that out. Like it's hard to have a recreational conversation about um, this stuff. It, 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 it's there will be people outside a gate with picket signs when these conversations happen. There will be something happening. Someone will be being sued. Something something is moving. There's there's water against sure, the but, dam. But OK, let's use our, our conversation about Confederate as an example. These white guys who write into me, they're there. There's literally nothing for them to lose. And there's, there's nothing. For, yeah. More importantly, there's nothing for me to lose. Sure. That's yeah. the really important And yet thing. they've taken time to write in incredibly long Terrible think pieces. To oh, you're ta- me. I thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the Game of Thrones guys. No, 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 no. Like just regular listeners, which you know, who truly have nothing to lose. Right. Uh, this doesn't affect them. It's a hypothetical, conceptual thing that hasn't even materialized. Um, and yet they feel so strongly about it that they have to write in and say like. No. And another thing I've noticed is this uh, 
usage of this argument that a lot of them have used, which is like, well, I think it's worth it because it'll teach a lot of racist white people like about a subject that they don't know a lot about and maybe it'll make them feel empathy. But what I don't like about that argument is that they're operating under the assumption that everything is made for white people and white people and primarily for white people Um, because – no, it's not not everything is worth it if it, just for the consumption of a white audience. Like if this is something that causes pain to other people, like I, I'm fine giving up like maybe a, a, some white people will learn something from it. No, like you possibly learning something that any decent human being should know, like doesn't trump the pain of black people in America. Also, just to just to dogpile on that, I also just think it's we have a funny history in this culture of like giving Oscars to every movie that is about slavery. And like, like I think I sense that younger uh, uh, black writers and, and and stuff are probably like getting a little frustrated by, I read like essays and stuff by like millennial African-American people. They, they, to me, they, they say the thing that I've always thought in my head, which is like, why am I constantly being reminded under the guise of class and prestige, you know, that I'm descended from slaves? Like, isn't the problem now a little bit more than people remembering that we were slaves once as if there's reincarnation and we all represent like it's like it's it's good when it gets to the point where there's a problem where we forgot there was slavery like let's let's definitely have one of these movies come out but it's getting it's like oh it's like you get an oscar you get an oscar because and all these actors get jobs because they're they're wearing diapers and we're whipping them and isn't this classy and wonderful and it's like well yeah but can i have a job can i play a banker can i you know we're also there are more black stories than just about slavery that's what i'm saying like like there's so many more stories from the black perspective that that has that isn't just all centered around a period piece about slavery. Yeah, there would be a, I, a yeah, anyways, whatever. I I I I'm derailing myself with that, but that cuz <laughs> but um the it I the, this isn't the other side of the issue. This is an explanation from the white guy that so like I believe that what maybe what's triggering about that stuff is especially for white writers who just as much as writers of any other category because the most important category is unemployed writer white unemployed writers are when they hear on the radio uh if they still exist that there's a mounting problem in the screenwriting business, and it's people being able to write whatever they want. From now on, we need people to write different. And they, and they click off the radio and they go, God damn it, I haven't gotten a fucking job yet. And they, they, it's like unemployed writer is the interest group that drive these letters coming in. And then most of those people are white. So that's what you're that, – that's the phenomenon you're seeing is that I can be a rich old white writer and go – yeah, see, I think, uh, you know what, from the top of this heap, I think maybe we should make it easier for... And, again, like, don't start acting like I'm taking... I'm not going, like, you got to consider their perspective. I'm just I'm just saying that's what's happening, I believe. Sure, I, and that, you know, and that is another th- major thing that I learned from doing this podcast with you is I learned about the nuance and rationale and the path of logic that a lot of white angry white guys take and like 
And knowing that, because, you know, like normally I could I could easily just be like, well, they're just fucking dumb, stupid, ignorant racist. But like, I think you've given me a lot of uh, a nuanced take on like, no, this is the lo- this is the line of logic. This is the thread of right. rationale that runs through it. And like you can't just dismiss it as there was no thought behind it, because a lot of times there was thought behind it. And so and that takes us to another thing that I think we both I don't know, we learned, but this was an interesting experience that we had on this podcast a couple episodes ago was this conversation where we talked about how a lot of times some of the clumsy, awkward, sometimes even oppressive behavior can start from somebody actually problematically assuming that they're not racist. And 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 actually moving toward the moth flame of trying to prove it. I, I'm thinking about that story of the the guy that that uh, uh, you know spoke in pigeon. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Japanese to yeah, our yeah. photographer friend. I like like we we kind of like during that conversation we we're like I I bet this guy I you know it's like like that that is a phenomenon. It's like when you think that you're. It's not me. It's never me. I'm not the one. You know, not all men, not all white people. Like a, you, you, a movement starts where they go like, you know, women are saying, I'm sick and tired of feeling this way at work. And then like you have this instinct. Not only do you have an instinct to defend for some reason, they're like, why am I defending? I know that half of us are fucking creeps. Why do I have to like tweet this woman and tell her? You know, hey, over here, you who like like we, we we're uncovering this instinct that we have. But it's also and the, the answer is, why are we doing that? Because we because we want to prove that we're not. And then that that can often result in the, the absolutely the worst behavior that you can take on at the worst possible time. And, and that if you it, it like, you know, stay quiet and listen and then pick and choose your time to like take action that'll somehow be part of the problem uh, solution it, it that you nothing's going to happen in the meantime where someone's going to come up to you and say you know you were awful quiet during that movement i think you know i would expect you to defend yourself for god's sakes and since you didn't i mean it's been eight years since rose mcgowan said uh, what she said and you just sat there and said nothing in defense of yourself before taking you to woman jail but I'm a man. That's what we call them all women jails now because women have taken over. It's confusing, but and uh, <laughs> like that's not going to happen. Like you're, it's one of those rare things where like your inactivity is not necessarily going to. No one's going to throw you a parade for doing nothing, but no one's going to put you in jail for doing nothing. So when you read a story about a about somebody saying, "I experienced this this injustice that I perceived," like. Is what's at stake for you, like like writing in? And... Put, put it this way: you don't lose anything by listening and trying to understand someone. And it could turn out the idea. It's like I find myself. I was like, oh, well, is this person crazy? Is there are they crazy? Because if we because if this person's crazy, and then they're telling this story, and then we're gonna what are we gonna go pass a law? The person, whether they're crazy or sane, is just a person. We, you, in your wildest dreams, we could change things by one person having a story. Second of all, if they are crazy, it'll come out in the fucking wash. Like it won't matter. The, the, no, don't get a T-shirt with their face on it until you know that they're sane. But you could still listen to a crazy person's story. Is you, you don't want to filter out. Like it's it's too much filter for for this perceived problem that like one in a thousand women, I guess, is what the thing. I'm like thinking about with like the Me Too thing is like one in a thousand people might be a false accuser, and what are we gonna do? And so, oh my God, the 
you could just point at a guy and say he did something and then blah 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 like like i don't think that's the bigger problem the the, the to, to be solved it's it's like and and i and I'm, I'm reverse applying that to all this shit when i hear about confederate and then my friend jessica goes she might say something like a little illogical like uh or hyperbolic like fuck that show those people should go to hell like i i don't want anyone that ever they shouldn't even be allowed to pitch that like like these like no like like, she's not passing legislation she can't she's chinese and she's a woman (laughs) she's she's not going to be able to do anything i'm talking to myself i don't know why i'm acting like i'm lecturing other people i'm I'm like (laughs) you're you're lecturing the man in the mirror (laughs) uh, yeah I'm, 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 i'm like yeah just like cool it you don't have to like argue with her i don't know yeah well just honestly it never ever makes a situation worse for you to listen and try to understand that really is at the end of the day it's listening and empathy 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 and i'll tell you what a total fucking confession like i've heard people say racist shit and i have not like said uh we need to step outside the party needs to stop Mm -hmm. like i think i'm i think i'm probably in my old age i'm better at that but i i could uh, you know there have been moments in kitchens at parties when i'm like i've been like drinking a beer and like listening to somebody and they step over a line where they start you know talking about the jews and, and whatever and like i don't necessarily invoke this like white knight like uh logic bound person that's like well let me you know it's like the, what I'm saying is that we have like you're not Dudley do right like when you're arguing like you know against somebody saying that there's injustice in the world because I think that there are moments when we we put up with shit and sometimes we put up with evil like we we'll listen to somebody say some fucked up shit and I for one have in the past been like mental note to myself I think. Troy is a little racist. So here's sure. what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to change the subject. I don't like talking to him about banking anymore. <laughs> it, 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 it's not a fulfilling conversation for me because he wants to talk about Zionism when we talk about banking. And I don't want to talk about Zionism at this particular time. So I am going to now change the subject to the magnets on the refrigerator at this party. But I'm maybe he won't blame them on the Jews. But I'm certainly not going to stop coming to these KKK house parties. <laughs> well, well, yeah. And for, like, what, I'm, what I'm not going to do is demand that the music stop and hey everybody there's an anti-semite in the kitchen so let's change the theme of the party or you know and 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 so i, I only point that out as like like you pick say, your battles you I pick say, your battles like, everyone has to do it on a daily basis picking their battles we all all the time yeah tolerate shit like like and sometimes it's not that great what we tolerate so so you could surely like when you hear a story about they're in the streets and they're upset about this like law that's coming out or what. And it's like, like, do you have to personalize it or could you just do what you do when you're lazy <laughs> or you're like, oh, that guy's racist. <laughs> By the way, I don't do that anymore because I hate parties. I'd use any excuse. <laughs> now I'm 45. I'd be like, hey, whoa, I think this guy's racist. I'm out. Your, your built-in excuse for not going to parties is just in case someone says something racist. You, sir, have, have compelled me to go home and play Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite? Now that you've had everything, what was your favorite? Beef rolls. Yeah. It, I could eat, like, a mile of beef roll. <laughs> like, I want it to just be, like, on a big, giant tape roll. Just feed like a, a conveyor roll. belt yeah. that just goes straight to your mouth? Yeah. It's so good. It's like, it looks good while you're eating it, too. You take a bite out of it, and then you're looking at 
something that you want to bite into more because it's got yeah. it's just well, layers of yeah it's a of spiral of, yeah yeah it, it, it looks uh, less messy than if you looked in a burrito you just yeah into, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing I really like about it is how dry. I know dry is not a good word <laughs> for food, but it's like how unwet it's, it's it not is. sloppy. It's not. It's not filled with a thousand fucking complicated things. Like, oh, we'll just put more in there, and that way it'll feel like it's important. <laughs> I guess that's something I don't like about Mexican food. It's like that tendency to just like. There's just so much shit in there. I don't want to squander this opportunity to f- seem open-minded <laughs> by taking a dump on another oh culture's food. But this is why, I mean, that's why I don't know my mouth. Like, I just want to, like, uh, you know, I just... I guess season two will have to bring in a Latinx uh, guest who will take you to good Mexican food. Latinx? Latinx. Latinx? Yeah. Because that's the way to get around... That's uh, so you don't have to differentiate right. between Latino and Latina. Wow, that's handy. Mm-hmm. How long has that been around? A couple years. Huh. Well, it's only really gained prominence in the last couple of years. Latinx. Yeah. Thank God someone came up with that. Jesus Christ, he <laughs> was getting uncomfortable. That's really, that was really weighing heavy on you. Well, yeah, because it's like I would keep falling back to Hispanic or something. I'd go like, like, oh, I don't want to go. What am I doing? Like, I, I would find myself saying, like, oh, like a lat, Latin or... <laughs> like, Which I w- or just I would, makes you sound more old and white. Yeah. Latinx. I mean, let's get rid yeah, of this gender stuff. This is a, this I I love that this is the probably the best your best takeaway from a Chinese food episode. <laughs> they finally came up with a the Phillips head screwdriver of <laughs> of Latino culture. So tired of having to work to talk around here. Give me something <laughs> I can pry a paint can open with. Um. All right. Well, I'm really glad that this worked out. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. you knew it was I a did. ringer. You I knew. know. I know. But that's what was good is because you could have sat on the podcast and said a thousand times, you would like Chinese food if you ever had real Chinese food. And all I would have heard was like, yeah, I'm sure that's what every Chinese person thinks. But, but you know, you surprise me all the time. And it wouldn't have been out of the question for you to have, like, tried a bite of everything and just been like, yuck. Yeah. I feel like I'd have to be... I mean, to eat this and say yuck would you'd have to be stubborn. I mean, because yeah. like, it's like you, you. I think you purposely like you picked a place and you picked stuff that was like it wasn't compromised, but you were like, "Come on, this is good." Yeah. And of course it is. It's great. It's a good greatest hits. Um, I mean, I'm gonna celebrate with another bite of this beef roll. <laughs> Have you learned anything else? Well, actually, you know what? I have a question for you. Do you think uh, you'll take some of the things we've talked about on this podcast in with you now um, as a showrunner in the future? I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I I, I will. Well, I mean, there's one of the fundamental things, but it kind of is bigger than showrunner. But it's gonna it'll like there was this there's this thing about like the it was the. This one took me by surprise, kind of the whole like uh, being allowed to ask people about their heritage, like as if it's their horoscope or like like and like like not like people being compelled to answer questions about like what they are. Like I, that's not a showrunner. Yeah, answer. I was like, that's that's the takeaway well, for showrunner. I'm just, sure I, I, I'm just I guess what I'm saying is like 
everything that we've talked about and learned is like applicable yeah. to your your job as a as a boss on a show. Because but do you think that you'll do you think that it's changed your uh, how you think about uh, hiring and running a show? And do you think that it's going to change the way you go about that process from now on? I mean, I don't want to disappoint you and say no, because I, because I like I feel like I've been already practicing. Like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've been making it a goal since a couple seasons ago to first and foremost, because it's the easiest easier quote unquote one to do because of what we talked about early on is like there are half men and half women in the world my apologies to the gender fluid folks listening and not to get off on that thing but I'm, I understand that that's that I'm, not, I'm not excluding um, non-binary uh, folk but I'm saying like it went in a, in a population where it's like where where there's like an even distribution etc like the idea of a gender balanced writer's room is a quote unquote easier task to tackle uh, and then there's and then it gets really fucking complicated when you're talking about like we need to make sure there's an Italian in here. There's eight people. <laughs> like like how are you going to make make a writers room representative and all this stuff? But like so we've we've been around that block, and I, I I get my answer is the same as when I walked in, which is like look, diversity is a thing that won't happen by default until until we've created a world where it will happen by default, and then we can we can sure either through incentives or punishment. But one way or another, you kind of have to be forced to to get out of this uh, default. You got to be aware of it early on. You got to you got and and then you and then I think there's a little more digging to do because it's a numbers game. There are we never really got to the bottom of these numbers, but I there's I think that there's less uh, representative demographics uh, in in your pile of scripts when you're staffing a show, which means that if your goal is diversity plus everyone's a great writer that means reading more scripts than someone whose goal isn't it doesn't have early on the goal of diversity sure because if it's important to you and if it matters to you then you have to tell the reps send me people who aren't just the people that you normally would send send me women send me people of color you have to submit these people because that's the thing is the default is always going to be white male writer and so unless you t unless you really unless you show that you are serious about this mm -hmm. they're not going to do it yeah, I know you wanted to hear it. Because I did this podcast, I've just hired nine black women on Rick and Morty. It, 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 I have, we haven't staffed up yet, but I will say that, like, and it wasn't because of this podcast, but it was because of, like, flirtation with this concept at one point, which we actually decried as, like, a bad idea on this show. But we tried it anyway in a first round of stuff. We had people write cold opens for Rick and Morty, and... Justin and I, because we could afford to do this, like like we 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 were blind to the and it's a sci-fi show, so we we could get away with that. It's not a sitcom about a family. It's not dealing with. It's like a show about like you know, it's just like a sci-fi animated comedy, and the kinds of writers we want are like it. It's probably very important to for them to be diversity we've talked about that topic too it doesn't matter if they're a nerdy uh person like like it can still matter if they're that they're not white you know like that's still diversity sure, but here's the thing like on season three the the guys the white guys that have been with the show since season one none of them except for mike mcmahon are like super sci-fi guys like you wouldn't you talk to those guys and none of them would be like oh sci-fi is my genre 
Yeah, I'm just, I'm not talking about. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Sorry, I didn't know that's where you thought I was going. I, I'm saying because it's a sci-fi show, because the it's a show about a man that whose name is Rick Sanchez, but never says anything that has anything sure, to do with. Yeah. Because because he's he's virtually an alien character. He doesn't. Ha- he's like Doctor Who. You don't know where he's from or what 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 his point of view is. It's not. It's it. We 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 were afforded an opportunity, in my opinion, to do something that I've always wanted to do, which is have people submit cold opens for our show that were written for our show on spec. And we were able to rip the cover sheets off and yeah. do a numbering system. And Justin and I read all of well, them. Well, you had people write write cold opens on spec mm-hmm. for the show. That sucks. Yeah. Sucks that's for a, them. That's a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Uh, well, someone should punish us. Yeah. Yeah. Someone sh- everyone well, should stop watching the show. That's probably why you're not a WGA show. Uh, I think we are. Maybe now. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're listening, like, don't watch the show. Like, definitely, like, boycott it. Like, uh, Come on, Harmon. You have to, as a writer, that's a shitty thing to make writers do, is to make them do free work for you just to be able to submit. I didn't, well, I don't think it's, I, I don't. That's I, fucked up. We can't use their cold opens if they do. Or they probably did have to sign something that said we could use their Yeah, ideas. but that's <laughs> a fucked up thing to make people do free work for you just to try to get a job. Like, that's, that's, uh... I don't like that. All right. Well, I, I didn't like yeah. it either. I heard I heard it was a thing we were allowed to do, so I allowed it. Not with the WGA. Now I'm hearing from an equally uh, viable source that it's like totally a wrong thing to do, so I'll never do it again. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, imagine you were a writer who was trying to get a job, and people were like, "Oh, to." That's to, the thing is, I wouldn't do it. So that's yeah. a, that was a yeah, thing but that, that's but but. But that's why we didn't. Uh, that's why we haven't focused on that as the sole way of hiring people. That's actually a. That's actually a big problem uh, with uh, in within the writing and uh, screenwriting industry too. Is that a lot of you're not if you are a WGA, which is the Writers Guild of America, which is our union, um, ac- according to their rules, like you are not allowed to make people write free shit for you just to try to get a job. But a lot of uh, unscrupulous. Unscrup- uh, producers do it because they're like well what are you going to do tell on us then we'll blacklist you then we're going to tell everybody that well first of all we're not gonna you're not gonna get the job and second of all we're gonna tell people that you're not cooperative like you're not a fucking team player and it's a it's a big problem and it really sucks well there's a lot of rules that suck like i'm not allowed to put my name on the cover sheet of every script even though i end up (laughs) writing everything i mean i'm pretty generous too it works both ways oh boy well, it should. I mean, like, yeah. And we've we... returned to square one, Harmon. <laughs> well, when we talk about this shit, for sure. I got, look, I didn't know. I I was told that it was kosher to do that, and I didn't. I was like, okay, if it is, it sounds like that sucks, and I would never submit for that show. You would, so you would never want to be subjected to that, and yet you are subjecting other people to that. Yeah, we also remember when you got hired, we did a fucking other thing that I would never do, which is we did a retreat. <laughs> where, where, where everyone that wanted to write for the show had to have a fucking sleepover. Yeah, but I love that you say that as if it was my idea, as if I was clamoring. Yeah, and for you got it. hired even though you bailed the first three hours in with the flu. Like it's I know. I, I, that was look, these are things that people tried that were like, oh, South Park did it, and like I. Believe me, like it 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 gets filed in my head that you're like like Ugh, yuck, that's illegal and horrible. I'm like, well, I heard the opposite from someone else. I, it wasn't my idea. It sounded but it's like... not even not even it's not even a question of whether or not it's illegal. It's more of a this is something that it, you're not applying the golden rule. This is something that you wouldn't want other people to do to you, and yet you're okay with doing to other people. That's what's getting me. 
Because I... you you said, like, you wouldn't want to do that, like, but yet you're okay with making other people do it. But I wouldn't want anyone to put my name on a script that they had rewritten from page one. And people just... We're talking about two different things, Harmon. No, you, we're you're, talking you're about... You're whataboutting now. No, well then, the, I'm 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 other halfing of the you're, conversation. No, you're comparing you're comparing two separate issues. I'm as sa- if yes, the I'm same. seeing like the fucking uh, weird, crazy sword of what's technically allowable and what people consider fair and and practice within the the industrialized writing complex. Like it it fucking cuts both ways. Like I the golden rule doesn't really apply necessarily to people who want to help you on your show where they don't get back in like i would i would i wouldn't want any i would like i think everyone should be a profit participant in everything that everyone ever does in all of capitalism but this is something that you have a choice in and you chose to go the other way i what because you you don't get to choose whether or not you can put your name on every single script that's that that's not a choice you get to make right no yes it is you just said you're not allowed to, and so you don't do no, it. No, that's not true. That's what you heard. I didn't say I'm not allowed to. I said oh, I don't. Boy. I don't because dicks do that. Okay. It's, it's, and it's, yet, it's, it's okay, allowed. Okay, so applying that logic, uh, dicks would make people work for free to try for a job interview. You, you yourself said you wouldn't want that to happen to you, and yet you are okay with doing that to other people. I've never been a staff writer. I would never, I would never be able to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm hiring people that are doing a thing I could never do, which is work for Dan Harmon. No, but on you a said show. not want to. You wouldn't want that to happen to you, I, and yet you're doing it to other people. And I so what I'm saying is, why make, why choose to subject people to something that you yourself are like that's a shitty and unfair thing. I. I don't know. I, I I don't know why anyone would want a staff writing job on a sitcom. I don't I don't I would never do it. I would never want it. I would never want to take orders from someone. I would never want someone to rewrite my material. And if they did, I wouldn't want them to take credit for it. There's just a million things that make the kinds of people that I have to hire and manage and 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 collaborate with that makes them different from me. I, I have to I have to consider other people different from me. And if if I'm told that they the market will bear and that the show will profit and that people will tolerate saying being told, oh you should write they want you to write two pages on spec to for this early round of like judging people and I go like Oh, that sounds awful. Are, are you sure that's kosher? If somebody says yeah, then I'm like, okay, well, then but why? We'll do okay, that. so when that happened, why didn't you say that sounds awful? I don't want to do that because I didn't have a better uh, idea. I don't know how to pick you've, writers. You've did you do that? Have that do that for a community? No, no. I, so never, you were able to pick writers. I've never successfully beat the system. I don't know how to beat the randomness that is assembling a but bunch you of were, people. So you were able to staff. Five seasons of community without doing that. Yeah, and it's always been hit and miss. Yeah. Oh, and and having people write you do free work for you is one hundred percent hit. I don't know. It's a thing that hasn't been tried yet. Did having a sleepover work? I don't know. But we're not talking about sleepovers. We're talking about having people do free work. I know, but like this is the th- this is a thing that you've hooked into. Like, yeah, yeah, doing free work sucks. Yeah, so why are you making people do it when you don't have to? Well, I'm not making them do it anymore. I'm telling you, you did it. You 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 created history here right now. Like I'm not it wasn't my idea. Someone told me it was okay. I went along with it. It seemed like it it was like an interesting concept. You're vomiting when you hear about it. Like and I'm going, "Yeah, I'll never do it again because Good, I'm glad. you have this reaction." Great. I'm so yes, but and this is really what I'm asking for is like just think about it, you know? Like that's a I I uh, 
I don't want to do that because that's a sh- that sucks and you shouldn't make and if you know that that sucks to do to someone, you shouldn't do it. And you and here's the thing, you uniquely have the power to say we're not going to do that. That's the special thing about you is that you actually have the power to make these decisions and say like I don't care who this guy is that told me that this is kosher, but I think I personally think that that sucks, and I don't want to do that to people. Well, now you're putting me in a corner because I'm I'm a co-creator. I'm an absolute 100% equal partner with another person, and yeah. I'm not going to throw them under the bus and hide behind them with a shield. But <laughs> no, I don't have the power to tell that person what to do. And if if somebody tells me that they, I mean, like I'm going to defer to my collaborator on what 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 is been what has been vetted as a proper. Way to do so. I'm like, oh, is that is that cool? Yeah, it is. Okay, let's do it. This is the first conversation I've ever had since doing this thing where we asked some people if they'd be willing to do it, and they did it. Like, this is yeah, the first conversation I've ever had. Yeah, of course they're going to do it because they want the job. Okay, people, so... people are willing to do things that they know are, are wrong and suck because they want to do the job because they desperately want to work for you, and they want to work on Rick and Morty because it's a fantastic fucking show. It's an incredible show. Who wouldn't want to work for Rick and Morty? But what I'm saying is when you are in that position of power, don't abuse it and make people do things that really suck. And, what, and something that really sucks is forcing people to do free work when you shouldn't but also forcing them to do free work just so they can earn a chance at getting a job. Like, all of that sucks. And so don't do it is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I, I wish we had more time to, like, extend this to all of fucking capitalism. Like, <laughs> do you know that there's a world out there that runs absolutely this way? Again, you are whataboutinging me. And what I'm saying to you is we're, we're not talking about everything. Like, I think it's very unfair for you to argue with me back and say, like, Oh, well, if you can't fix all of capitalism, then you're not allowed no, to no. say this thing I, about this one thing. No, I'm trying to solve this one thing. Already, I'm telling you I this one example. I got a golden ticket to, to argue with you because I already told you I'm never going to do You have total control <laughs> over my fucking brain. You you said don't do that, and I said I wouldn't do it. Now you won't uh, listen to me? All right, all right, all right. That's fucking insane. All right. I, I already, you, you, all I do is fucking like I, – I, I sat here and said, oh, you know, we did this one thing where we I hooked up a, a sled to a fly, and I had it deliver presents to the other flies. What? What? the fuck are you talking about what are you talking about well it's like christmas for flies flies don't have christmas what the fuck okay i won't do it ever again okay great because you should never have done that because it's awful for flies okay what about other insects you can't fucking say that to me what you can't say that i'm talking about these flies like we it was addressed like like i never heard that it was a bad thing i the first thing i said when when someone said we're gonna have them write cold open says that sounds shitty I would never do that. All the things that you said. And then my friend said, no, I looked into it. We can do this. And I said, okay, good. We've never tried that. Maybe that'll help the show be better and come out on time and not be bad. First of all, that was a tantrum that I didn't appreciate. Second of all, like, look, this is the kind of thing we talk about on this podcast. And like... I wanted to get to the bottom of why you thought that that was okay being a writer because it always surprises me when writers uh, are willing to subject people underneath them uh, to conditions that they wouldn't want to be subjected to themselves were they in the same position. And it's also interesting to me that uh, you said you you know that it sucks and yet you were up until this moment that we were talking about it, we're still planning on doing it. It wasn't something that happened in the past. You were telling me that this is something you're doing. So that's why this was this bore this incredibly long argument because I was like, why would you – 
oh, just very casually and uh, cavalierly tell me, like, yes, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I understand. I acknowledge that it sucks and I wouldn't want it to happen to me, but I'm still doing it. Like, that was the attitude that you started this with, and that's what I was trying to get to the root of. Well, so the the question that you had that you haven't had answered yet is how dare I? It's all it's all been answered, but I do think that you're being unnecessarily aggressive to me, and I think that you're being like very very defensive because I'm telling you that something that you very casually told me you're doing is is really really shitty. And you, what surprised me was that you acknowledged that you understood that it was. It wasn't like you were doing something, and I was like, hey, did you know that that sucks and that's shitty? And you were like, no, I didn't. Like that would be one thing, but the fact that you were like, yeah, I know it's shitty, and I wouldn't want it done to me. The fact that you said that, but yet you would still, you were still going, planning to do it. That's what surprised me. Well, I'm saying, I didn't I say both things, which is like, yeah, it sounds like a thing that I would never do, the golden rule thing. And yet, and yet, I was told that everyone would be willing to do it and it would be fine. So I didn't, like, I wasn't like, yeah, it's like something that horrible people are. They're like, there's a dungeon and I can hear their screams and they're constantly like, and yet I, I just drown them out with booze and like oppression, like. I was like, I didn't, this is the first conversation I've had, as I told you, where somebody was like, holy shit, don't do that. That's it. Yes, but when I said that to you, you were like, okay, well, it was told, I was told it was okay, so I'm going to do it. Like, it took a while before you were like, I'm not going to do it. I was told it was okay, so I did it. So it's already, because I thought you were still planning on using this process. I didn't, no. Is that the misunderstanding? Yeah. You thought I was telling the, the reason we had to have this conversation for this long is because you thought that the entire time I was arguing with you that I was going to continue doing it. Yes, totally. That's I why. I don't know how you got that impression when I kept telling you over and over again, I'm not going to do it anymore. This is the first time. But that time. was over know. the course of the conversation. Like, I thought that over the course of the conversation, you had decided I'm no longer going to do this. I'm. I don't. That is. You just described again what I'm saying. Like, I. Yes, I. Throughout this conversation, I am going, yeah, this isn't worth this. That I didn't know that this was a problem. As much, the only conversation I've ever had about this was a conversation in which I was like, "Is that okay to do?" And heard, "Yeah," and then did it. This is the second time I'm having this conversation, and you're saying that is not okay to do. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, won't do it then." All right, fine. Yeah. I'm so- <laughs> Long fucking resolution. I why it's my fault that that was a long conversation. Really, like yes. so not not only is it not only did I do a bad thing, but it's also like, I mean, I really want you to like walk me through your simulation of how that's supposed to happen with a with a with a person that would like avoid any difficulty, other than me going, yeah, this is a thing I did. The the train completely got the brake slammed on it. And I was told that we're going to be talking about this other aspect of it, which makes it completely wrong and all these things. And I discussed it with you and pretty early on said, "Okay, I'm not going to do it anymore. This is where it derailed because you were talking about it as this is this is my hiring process, meaning this isn't the only time you're going to be hiring people. You're going to be hiring people in the future. So if you're like, this is my hiring process, 
obviously I'm going to think this is your continued hiring process. I think that was just a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, I ever said, oh, we found this new thing that we're going to do from now on. And it's a it's a pretty easy misunderstanding because these are only a couple of syllables that make the difference between here's what we're going to do forever and me saying – Here's a thing that we did in like a six month ago, like draft. Well, round especially of- since you just said at the top of the argument that you guys are still hiring. You're so you're still currently in the hiring process. So what? Why wouldn't I think that you're u- continuing to use this process? Yeah, it makes sense. Well, there you go. Okay, it was a that, so there was a there was a thing that wasn't understood that resulted in us talking about it for twenty minutes. <laughs> well, I. I'm I'm glad that you're not going to do it anymore. I can't wait to not do it I, anymore. I hope and I hope that you understand why it sucks to do and like and that's great. Yeah. I guess that's that's the one uh I guess that's our big takeaway from this episode is that yeah, I'm not going to do anything different uh in terms of my own practices as a result of this show. That's like a big takeaway. As far as an employer, I mean, we talked a lot about the industry and how it needs to change and I didn't really yeah, that was your question. It was like, so what are you going to do differently? And I'm like, huh. And then we answered it with a 20-minute argument. Right. It was just like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything differently. I've been trying to do things differently every time, trying to figure out how to diversify the writer's room. I've like, yeah, like like it's it continues to be a game of like, how do we solve this in a way that everyone can understand? What practices do we put into place that are actually, you know, practicable? It continues to be a mystery and anyone's guess. Like, there's plenty of people with, like, answers that are going to be totally simple because they're just going to say, oh, well, you need more of this and you've got to do that and you've got to you've got to bend over backwards to do that. And, the, like, those people are, like, they're not – they're – they're not showrunners and then the showrunner has to be like okay i have to take that into consideration and figure out how to hire a staff of people to help me write this show and so like i don't know how to after all these conversations like what different thing i would do other than be very very aware of like how sensitive and important the problem is that's why i was starting a conversation with going like you know one thing different that we did this year is we did the thing we did a thing that was immediately denounced on this show when I brought it up theoretically was because it's a sci-fi show we did experiment with this process of like write stuff on spec I didn't think I didn't anticipate that the distracting thing would be about labor uh, union issues but well you are talking to a bread communist I anticipated that the that that it would be either a pass or a fail and in the other regard because we had talked about it when I proposed it at one point you were like that's a terrible idea for a good reason which is because a a writer of color is going to they're they're their point of view their job isn't to like blend in mm-hmm. when they're writing so like and and also this it you're going to be reading their modern family spec or whatever like who knows what they've written I felt like can you you can hear like my dry spit mouth because I got like so nervous. But, uh, the uh, and so anyways, what I was going to say is like like we 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 flirted with that process even and like that was a long time ago and then we entered negotiations and now it's like what are we going to do and what are the results going to be and how's this going to work and and what will the what will the reaction to it be and how because like we I don't know how we even got to a place where we had a gender balanced writer's room in, in Rick and Morty. But 
I felt like it wasn't forced. Like we didn't like go, we for sure have to have like X number of women. We just kind of like, we're very pleased to find that we had enough. It was because Mike specifically said to the agencies, stop only sending us white guys and send us women. You have to submit women, not just white guys. Like he specifically had to tell all of the agencies to do that for them to start submitting women. Right. Well, He's probably not going to stop doing that. Yeah. But are we going to end up with half women in the writer's room? And if we don't, is it going to be because we hate women? Uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to say no to both of those questions right off the bat, because I, I just don't want, you know, it's like I don't know whoever Mike is, whether it's our line producer or it's definitely not your line producer that I'm talking about or the or the guy that that, you know, profits everything in that conversation from telling you that that's what he did. <laughs> Oh, boy. just going to throw him under the bus like that. I'm just going to point out that he has everything to gain and nothing to lose by telling you <laughs> that that's the explanation for, like, how everything, like, like came up with the numbers right. But, like, I – it's a small writer's room, and I'm ne- I've never – I've always drawn the line at, like, I'm not – I'm not – because because I – all these people that write in that we get mad at with their slippery slope arguments – they have one fucking toehold in those shitty arguments, and we have one piece of garlic against that vampire, which is that no matter what, we're not sacrificing quality of show. This is never going to interfere with uh, some objective perception of what makes a good show uh, because we want to, like, uh, quote-unquote virtue signal and quota hire and all this stuff. It's never going to happen. And if we if we make that untrue with the other hand by going like, oh, this uh, I really like this person, but this person is is such and such optically like I can't I'm not going to do that dance. What I will do is like try as hard as I can to like uh, make sure that the like like consider that diversity is going to be important for future generations when you're staffing this show. And 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 that's it. That's the, to me so far that's the end of the game from the showrunner's perspective because I don't know what else they're supposed to do. They're supposed to dig deeper and work harder to like try to try to get representation in their writers' room. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a personal do. choice. It just depends on how much it matters to them. And there's tons of guys where they're like, "Look, I'm I'm white. I'm in power. I don't care. Like, this is what I want to do. This is the show I want to make. I should be allowed to make the show I want to make." And no one is saying you can't make that show, but you are making a judgment call and you are making a choice by not caring. Mm-hmm. And you are part of a systemic problem, whether or not you want to acknowledge it or not. And whether or not even if – and for some guys, I'm sure even if people told them like, hey, you're part of a systemic problem, they're like, so what? I don't give a shit. I'm a fucking millionaire. Yeah. You know? So everybody care. Yeah, everybody care. But look, like I understand not everyone's going to care and like those are the people I don't want to be friends with. Mm. Uh, but I make an exception for you, Dan. No, you just – you can't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you clearly care. I mean, like, why else would we commit to coming here every week and recording this podcast about this issue? Yeah. Um. What do you have any closing thoughts uh, about our entire podcast? I'm trying to think of. I thought there was another like random thing that I. But it probably it was not going to work because we built to this thing. <laughs> that was like. I mean, I think it's important to note. It's like. It's like. It's not. That is the important final takeaway is like, am I going to fucking do anything different as an employer? And I think it's 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 as important to say, 
I don't know as mm-hmm. it would be to be like, yeah, no, I'm definitely from now. Like, well, it's like definitely more n- honest to say I don't know. It's much more honest and truthful. It's not. It's like it's. We still have. We still have an issue out there that is not easily solvable. And we've talked on this podcast about all of the different reasons why it's not easily solvable. We've talked to people who have said to their their own like tribe, write more, get out there, put yourself out there, you know, and we've talked to people who have said, you know, we've got the silent ceiling that's oppressing everything. And we've talked to people who have said, don't pretend you're that being white means that you're supposed to be invisible and don't pretend that you're as a person of color, you're supposed to like blend in. And um, we've even talked to people who have been terrified to like buck the tide when they felt sexually harassed because they wanted to take more pictures the next week for the same client or, or didn't want word to spread that they're difficult. And we've the only fucking hard and fast thing we've learned is that what we what we lack in this industry because we can get away with lacking it is empathy, um, and. So I, I like and and that's it. Like it's it's like it's like the only that's the only solution we have so far that even is comparable to like pack a flashlight in case of an earthquake. It's like whether you're at the bottom or at the top, try to be aware that no one is going to mandate ap- empathy in this business. It's like it's like been worked around. Yeah, and also like care more about other people's feelings and how your actions affect other people than your own ego. Like, that really is what it is at the end of the day. Like, do you prioritize your ego over other people's feelings and and safety and security? Or can you, like, put aside your ego for one second and just say, you know what, I'm going to just listen and, and see. Maybe they'll surprise me and say something that I didn't think about before and suddenly makes things click for me. Yeah. Try to juggle both. Also try to make sure your show is really good or you may never get out of this business and die penniless and insane. Yeah, but you know, there's also plenty of hacks who are millionaire, multimillionaires. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so there's hope for you, even if you're a hack, as long as you're a white hack. Yeah, some people are just lucky, and some people are talented, and and then some people are Max Landis. Some people. <laughs> I had to bring it back. Oh, we had to wrap up that seasonal arc. All right. Well, that's it for season one. Uh, as you can hear, there's still plenty of fights to have. <laughs> um, like so, I I do want to do more of this. Like we we she, Jessica's going to China. Um, <laughs> it's her fault. <laughs> it wasn't me. Like yeah uh, yeah my my one week trip to China really <laughs> brought us to a screeching halt. <laughs> All right, it's me more than her. Uh, but 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 we yeah and like I don't I don't want to end it. I do I do want to like hunker down, figure out how Rick and Morty is going to run. Um, and like, make sure that I'm not the one in the room whose fault it is that things get off to a start where it's like, well, from the minute we started season four, we didn't even know what we were doing because you were changing offices and you were juggling blah, blah, blah. Like I'm actively like pulling back on all my shit. Um, so that, because I just like, I signed this outrageous deal and I feel like karmically and professionally, like if I don't fucking show up with bells on and a tie even, um, like I'm... God's going to fucking give me 80 tumors. Um, and so, so, so I, it, 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 this could be, you know, like what I'm saying is like lots of podcasts, they take little breaks and then they do another season. And I think that like, like I'm, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't goodbye. It's good journey. <laughs> um, and I want to say that every week that we come in here, I'm pleasantly surprised that we continue to have these conversations and I'm grateful to my friend who listens. Aw. 
I mean, sometimes I yell. I wasn't throwing a tantrum at you. I was, <laughs> I was, I mean, okay. That wasn't a dig. I genuinely, I mean, look, you come here every week for two hours and you listen. No, I'm still reeling from you labeling my thing as a tantrum. I was trying to be, I wasn't trying to be funny. I was like doing what I do. I was like trying to express myself and I, I went too far. I was like yelling and you said, well, first of all, that's a tantrum. And I, I'm sorry that you... I'm I'm not I'm so, I'm sorry I did that I'm I'm I I I I feel ashamed of that like I I did I wasn't at the moment I wasn't trying to like make you feel like like you weren't supposed to be talking to me about this stuff I was trying to defend myself and like we found out shortly after that we didn't we weren't understanding each other and that you thought I was trying to argue with you that I should continue to keep doing this thing that you had told me that uh, that was wrong. Which I sensed myself immediately going like, okay, then I won't do it. Which so I was like, sure. I felt like I was. I just that's my explanation is that I was like, oh, I was, I was, I felt like it wasn't enough for you that I said I wasn't going to do it anymore. Right. Well, I appreciate that, and I have to say one of the things I appreciate the most about you is that you do apologize when you're wrong, and you, you, you take moments to think about stuff, and then, uh, and you don't feel. You don't let your ego get in the way of admitting that you're wrong and and apologizing, and I think that's really valuable, and I really appreciate it. Well, not like three minutes after. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get my autonomic system but goes back down. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you don't get this far as me without getting really good at apologizing. Well, uh, <clears throat> well, friendship's still intact. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was for our listeners, not for you. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't telling you. Oh, that I thought our... that was the. Uh, I thought that was our final handshake. Like. Uh... I just didn't. Some of our listeners get get uh, nervous when mommy and daddy fight. Oh well, if you, I mean, if that if that's what you don't like, then you don't. I mean, this podcast shouldn't be about us fighting, but we're gonna keep. We're always gonna fight. We're gonna keep fighting. All right, but but, but we don't have to. We don't have. We don't have to dehumanize each other. Yeah. that's what I'm apologizing to mommy for. Is that is that daddy got mad and <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like this metaphor. All right, let's let's end it. We're we're running very long. Okay, okay. Well, it was our final episode. They got to yes. listen to this for six weeks. That's true. Before well, we come back. thank you for listening this entire season. We really, really appreciate and love our fans. Stay racial, stay race fans, but don't be racist. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> top of it all they're playing phil collins here <laughs> they wanted to make you feel more You're comfortable the only, one, <laughs> the only food for me <laughs> so take a look at my tummy it's on the other side of the world but we're not so different now because you have beef burritos and that's american to me it's a good show.